Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. It's been another action-packed week in the National League. And joining us to review everything is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. And also with us is a long-suffering Telford fan, Dickie Wharton. <laughs> Not suffering quite so much um, today, it. but yeah. They made the trip to King's Landing, the FA Trophy on Saturday. I initially thought it said King's Landing when the draw came out. I was expecting him to come on and say about Jamie Lannis's hat-trick, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we had some of our fans thought we were going to King's Lynn when the draw was made as well. Un- <laughs> unable to differentiate the two teams. And also joining us, he is Hampton and Richmond Borough's press officer and he does various other works for other publications as well. It's James Reed. Hello, James. Hi Luke, how are you? Very well, thank you. And um, what caught your eye in the National League on Saturday, guys? I'll start with you, Rob. Well, I think we have to begin with that attendance at Notts County, don't we? Mm. Uh, 16,511. Um, obviously not really good initiative from Notts County. Fiverr to get in, well publicised. Huge crowd, absolutely smashes the National League record by five or 6,000. Um, phenomenal, really. And the only disappointment really probably was that those 16,511 people got to see two yellow cards. <laughs> Do you know what, though? That's a, they played Yeovil. That's a good point for Yeovil, though, isn't it? Very good. Very good indeed. Um, that's one of the qualities that Mark Cooper will be looking for now, isn't it? A little bit of resilience and defensive solidity. Yeah, we know that Yeovil are not scoring enough goals and they need to work on that. But to come back with a point and a clean sheet from Notts County, superb for them. And interesting, really, isn't it, that um, Notts County and Wrexham, both on really good runs, just occasionally one of them draws, the other one wins and they switch places again. I think it's literally gone one way and the other twice now in the last three or four weeks. Yeah, well, before I come to Dickie and ask his, obviously you were at Wrexham, they leapfrogged Notts County to go top, didn't they, Rob? They did indeed, yeah. The way I would describe Wrexham's win against Aldershot yesterday, it was par. It was par for what you'd expect. A club on the up with that resource, with that crowd, playing well, won nine out of nine at home. Um, Aldershot, you're never quite sure what to expect. But um, the simple truth of it is that Wrexham in the first half were very, very good. They weren't able to sustain it for 90 minutes, but in 30, 35 minutes of the first half yesterday, I saw as good a National League team as I have seen. They just got threats everywhere. And even though all the shots set up well, they were well organised, they were composed. And Ashby Hammond made a couple of really good saves. You felt an inevitability that Wrexham would score when they did, it was a terrific goal from the man for me, sorry, Notts County fans, who was the top marksman in the National League and who will be the top scorer by the end of the season, and that's Paul Mullin. Such hunger, such work rate, um, terrific to, to get away from his man. You know, the touches on the ball as he cut in on a really difficult angle and somehow managed to beat Ashby Hammond. A very, very good goal. The second one, a lot scrappier. Um, credited to James Jones, but I think the replays will probably show it bundled in off the torso of Ollie Harfield, who was scrambling back. Um, and the second half, a bit of a non-event, really. A bit of credit to Aldershot. They held firm. They created quite a few chances themselves. Effiong hit the bar in uh, added time, but it never really felt like they would get back into it. And the only disappointment for me was by the time I'd finished my Aldershot Town post-match, um, I looked around to try and get word from somebody from Wrexham, but they'd all gone, they'd moved on. Three more points in the bag, top of the league. Thank you very much, and on to the next. Now, little birdie tells me you've been cheating on us with the Wrexham, with the Wrexham podcast, have you, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on the uh, Rob Ryan Red podcast, I think, Friday. It's out there. Uh, it's a good podcast, actually. Um but wouldn't you just love, you know, to have the subject of Wrexham to make a podcast about yeah, each week? Yeah. You, you can't fail with that, can you? Uh, but they're good lads and uh, good luck to them. Do you know what? A really good point you made about Paul Mullin as well is like, obviously when he signed, there was a talk about the wages he was on. But the one word you use there was hunger. Is is that the one thing you notice? He's not just there for a payday. He's not just kind of picking up his money. He's actually making a difference, isn't he? A hundred percent. 
I turned to my summariser yesterday and said in commentary, that's the difference between the top, top players at any level. It's their hunger, their desire, their work rate. Uh, Oli Palmer was given the man of the match. He had a good, strong game as well. For me, though, Mullin was was the standout. And um, I think he'll have walked off that pitch absolutely gutted that he didn't get more than one goal yesterday. In fairness, Ashby Hammond was probably Aldershot Town's man of the match. He made a couple of stunning saves where if Aldershot had scraped a draw out of that yesterday, they'd have been showing those saves over and over Wrexham because they were absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, full credit to Wrexham where it's due. I've had my doubts about them in the past. They do look the real deal this season, certainly for, for, for a big period of the game yesterday. And it's a fascinating battle. And I'm just pleased from the league's point of view that the likes of, of Knox County and the team we're probably going to come on to that were live on TV yesterday, Luke, that you saw, um, are making a real good fist in the title race. Yeah, Chesterfield, they are in third. They're five points behind. They've got a game in hand, though, as well, and they beat Solihull on the live game on BT Sport, which I must be honest, I didn't realise it was on at the time, so I only turned on and watched the last half an hour, but I did see the goals again. It's Joe Quigley and Bailey Clements, who scored. There's some contention over the first goal. They weren't sure if it was a foul and then possible offside against Quigley. And then a really good finish by Clements as it bounced up in front of him on his chest and he volleyed it in. And that's six unbeaten now for Chesterfield. I know they had Sam Klukas as a get as a guest yesterday and he played under Paul Cook first time around. He said like it's when it's going really well, Paul Cook will really keep everyone motivated and going. So there'll be a danger. But um Solihull, Dickie, they're going through a bad patch and they've got a bit of a break coming up, which will be welcome for them now. Yeah, they are. That was um, that was a third defeat in a row in the league yesterday, a fourth defeat in the row in all competitions. And they haven't won in seven in all competitions as well. Um, just a really difficult game for them yesterday where at Chesterfield anyway, um, coming off the back of a midweek disappointment where they got knocked out of the FA Cup in Pretty heartbreaking circumstances away at Hartlepool. They led for virtually all of the game, conceded really late on, um, and then were knocked out on penalty kicks. Um, you know, it takes its toll. It, it takes. There's a bit of mental resilience needed to bounce back from that kind of thing, um, and that's absolutely what Neil Ardley's side are going to have to find at the moment because they are just in a bit of a rut. <clears throat> They're not haven't turned into a bad side. Um, you know, they were close. They were really close on, on in midweek to, to winning that FA Cup tie. Um, but yeah, they're just not quite getting it over the line at the moment. And, and they just need a couple of games to go for them to just sort of like turn that around at the moment. Yeah. And I think for Chesterfield as well, I, I know obviously their fans are quite ecstatic cooks there. They feel they're one of the favourites to go up. But we're not counting Wrexham being there. They're almost third favourites. And in a way, it looks like they may well thrive on that because there doesn't seem to be as much scrutiny and, and pressure on them this year, potentially, with those two teams there. Well, Chesterfield put, put themselves there to be shot at last season, didn't they? You know, they streaked away at the top. Um, they had that terrific FA Cup run as well. They had, you know, so much attention on them. Um, then they had attention on them for, for the wrong reasons, which, um, you know, did um, ultimately meant that their season ended in... In failure, you know, it wasn't where they they expected or or thought they were going to be when they were looking at the table at, at Christmas to where they finished at the end of it. Um, but yeah, going under the radar is probably um, exactly what they want, I would think, because all eyes are on those two at the top, particularly... Um, I think what will also inspire Chesterfield a little bit, probably the fans more so than the team, is just the fact that that East Midlands rivalry with Notts County, you know, that they... they, they there is a little bit of needle between those two sets of supporters. Um, and yeah, I think they'll be quite quite content with where they are at the moment. What else caught your eye, Dickie, in terms of results? Um, I suppose uh, just looking through what else is there. I mean, I suppose one that really caught my eye was um, Gateshead defeating Southend 3-1. I mean, absolutely phenomenal effort from Southend to take something in the region of 700. 700 fans away to Gateshead, which has got to be one of the furthest away trips you can make in this division. Um, uh, I suppose anybody like barring anybody other than Torquay. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a weekend I think in Newcastle, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think there was, and 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 I suppose those Southend fans did, you know, were able to drown their sorrows a bit in in uh, the the big market on Saturday night after losing three one. 
I spoke about this with Gateshead before and the fact that I think they need to turn that geographical location that they've got into more of an advantage and that teams do have an awful long haul to get up there. Um, they certainly did so um, yesterday. Goals from Camille Conte in the, uh, well, no, actually early in the second half, Adam Campbell um, and Connor Carty on target as well. Dan Mooney did get a goal back for Southend, but uh, a little bit of a blow for them. Um, given how well they've been going, but a really much needed win for Gates said so. Credit to Mike Williamson and his side for that. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Dickie. A couple of loan players that they brought in recently, Camel Conti is on loan from Watford, and Connor Carty is an interesting one. He's on loan from Bolton. He was recently at Oldham until a couple of weeks ago, and they were all a bit shocked that he wasn't playing more. And he's gone to Gateshead and he's playing and he's scoring. And I suppose now this is where Gateshead have got to be shrewd. He has given a lot of the players that he got up that got him up last season a chance, but maybe now he's got to dip into the loan market and use his contacts. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that that win did get um, Gateshead um, off the foot of the table. Joe um, obviously isn't joining us on today's podcast. He um, uh, probably won't mind being uh, not around to talk about the fact that Torquay have have sunk back into 24th place. But yeah, Gateshead, um, a really important win for them. Just that psychological boost of being off the bottom of the table. Um, And, they're going to have to, you know, turn everything that they can find to their advantage at the moment. Gage said that they. I always felt they would be the team out of the the likely teams to go up from the National League North last season, who would perhaps fare better because they had so much goal scoring on their side. But then that got stripped away in the summer, um, and like you say, Mike Williamson's given the players he's got a chance, but but obviously they need a bit more and he's gone out and got it. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go over the next few weeks. James, what, what caught your eye? Yeah, I think when you look at that that bottom of that table, Gates had such a massive win and this is the kind of time of the season where you want to be picking up some wins and putting some distance. Another good win for Halifax is probably a, another standout of the early strugglers and a win uh, at Bournemouth is, uh, where Bournemouth, uh, well, home to Bournemouth is, is no mean feat and, you know, I think they've kind of put that bit of distance between themselves and that bottom four that they can kind of go into that Christmas break, sleeping a little bit easier now with the likes of, you know, Scunthorpe, Torquay, Oldham, Mason still, still struggling. Obviously we, uh, Hampton had uh, two run-ins with Torquay and, you know, they are a, a really poor side, you know, it was one of them where we kind of weren't quite sure how we didn't end up going through. So yeah, I think picking up those wins now, same with Wealdstone, same with uh, you know any any of those clubs that are sort of just in that sort of the top of that lower third, you know a win a win at home to Bournemouth, they'll uh, be very happy with that. Yeah, eight points clear now, Halifax, um, of the relegation positions, and uh, stunningly, just five points off the playoffs. Um, really good point, James. Uh, they've really turned things around there, and a lot of people were calling for the manager, weren't they, earlier at Halifax? And oh, he was only an assistant before, and it's not working out, but uh, fair play to them. Uh, suppose, 14. No, sorry, I was just going to say, I suppose we underestimated a little bit how much time it'll take them to gel because I know they brought in a lot of stop-up counting players uh, who, who got them promoted last year and everyone was like, well, they'll come in and they'll do fine. But I suppose it's still a new environment. You've still got to get used to it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they'll be delighted. Um I don't have the form stats in front of me, but I'd imagine Halifax are in the top five over the last seven or eight games to have pulled away, you know, that clear. Um, and if they find that they, that they get another win and another back-to-back wins, they'll be on the fringe of the playoffs. So uh, mm. fair play to them for turning it round and starting to get those clean sheets that we all thought they would get when they signed those Stockport County defenders. Wheelstone went up to York yesterday. There's a lot of turmoil around York. We'll get onto that yesterday. But I know, Rob, you, you've got a, a special guest that you've tapped up for us. Yeah, pulled in. It took a big money off a very, very late <laughs> on. But uh, he's finished walking his dog and very kindly joined us. Two assists are here yesterday and a brilliant come-from-behind away win at York. Uh, Lewis Kinsella, good morning, Kins. Good morning, Rob. Um, yeah, that... That feels good, doesn't it? We were just talking about Halifax having really steadied the ship and pulled clear and being just uh, five points off the playoffs now. And Wheelstone, you're one place above them and four points off. Little bit of a rocky period, but you're coming through nicely now. Yeah, no. <clears throat> um, we went to York yesterday. Tough, tough place to go. Um, excellent stadium. 
was really impressed by it. Um, they put us on the under pressure straight away. We're, we're a team that wants to play football. Um, we play out as much as we can. Um, and they, they, I think they obviously watched us and they've really come out and pressed. But yeah, no, we're on a, we've sort of picked up again now. Um, unbeaten in three, two clean sheets and two wins. So yeah, we're on the, on the right path. And you personally as well, back in that side, getting some assists, with, which is what you're all about, isn't it? Yeah, no, obviously I've had a difficult start. Um, I had a difficult summer. Um, contracts falling through and, and start. Um, lucky enough, um, Woodstone come in for me. Um, like like the the plan and the way they wanted to play. Um, obviously gone part time, um, but found it tough to to sort of cap, get up to speed. I uh, had a, a nice wedding and a nice honeymoon, so I come back a, a tiny bit overweight. So um, I'm finally back <laughs> playing fit. Um, and yeah, good to get in the team. Two set pieces yesterday, which which I thrive on. So yeah, no, it's good. Mm. Looking forward to Saturday. Lewis, have you found yeah. the adaptation going from full-time to part-time? Um, it's always something that was in the back of my mind um, when I got injured for that, that long period of time um, about the concerns of what I'm going to do after playing football. Um, I looked into some things and I applied for a job at Arsenal for a friend and, and I got it. Um, and I'm also doing some grounds maintenance stuff. So I found it I, I found it tough at the start doing 14-hour days and like working and then going straight to training and stuff like that, which I found tough. But in the long run, I think it'll be beneficial for me knowing that when I finish playing football, I'm going into a job where I'm not starting from square one again. Kins, you're somebody who um, I know always looks after himself very, very well. You are a shining example of that at, at Aldershot. And, and sometimes, you know, the irony of this is that sometimes you got frustrated by the lack of professionalism around you. So, that's the one thing that surprised me about your move, you know, because you're so dedicated to your professionalism. I guess you just have to adapt that, do you? Because there'll be physicality to some aspects of the day job that you're doing. And it's it's a matter of just tweaking your routines, I guess. Yeah. when I, So in the summer, I wasn't planning on going part-time. I always looked at going into it. I had a contract offer. I had the email sent to me with the contract. Um, the day I landed from my honeymoon, um, they pulled the contract. The club pulled the contract in the National League, um, which it wasn't out of the shot, but um, another team, they literally pulled the contract as I landed the day on my honeymoon. And two days before pre-season started, um, the chairman apparently wanted to go for someone else. So um, that really, really took a big blow to, to me. Um, and I didn't obviously ended up at Wildstone. And yeah, the professionalism at the club is good. It's really good. We do a recovery Zoom session on a Monday after the game. Which is which is fantastic. We train Tuesday and we train Thursday night in a full time environment. The only day we're missing out on is a Friday, um, like the prep before the game. But we do that on a Thursday, so it isn't. And that you scored much from different. and you scored from two set pieces yesterday, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it isn't really that much difference. Obviously, on a Monday in a full time club, you normally do recovery after a game, and then on a Friday you prep. So it, we literally miss out on one day. Um, but it's good. And I feel like there's a togetherness at Wildstone um, that I've not seen in a long time, which is excellent. All the boys are really, really good. Just finishing off um, on, on that win away at York, um, the guy who popped up on the end of your set piece must be something of a legend at Wildstone now, Jack Cook. He was the player of the season last year. The amount of times he's popped up with these late goals, late winners as well. And you and I would have both given Jack plenty of stick when he was at Woking back in the day. We all know about your banter with Woking. Um, but now you're getting to play with the guy and you see him up close and personal. And my goodness me, he, you know, for, I always think for, for what somebody's got as a footballer to hit right on the top end of his limitations so regularly, he does brilliant, Jack. But... Yeah, no, he's, uh, like obviously all the, the banter between um, me and him and Max is uh, or Woking all the shot. But there, he's been nothing but brilliant with me since I've been in there and he is a proper proper good player he, he he can head it he can kick it he can dribble he can pass it he's got everything um, but the same with him he's got an excellent excellent job outside of football um, so something would have to be seriously a good offer for him to, to consider going full time so he's the perfect fit for Wildstone at the minute and um, he is captain fantastic at the minute popping up with goals and, and throwing his body on the line but yeah no he's he's been excellent 
I just wanted to ask about the atmosphere at York, Lewis, because obviously it's uh, it's been a tumultuous week for him. Did that help you in a way? Because I know reading social media, there's a lot of dissent towards the chairman. Yeah, I, to be honest, we didn't really, like, I didn't really know much. You know, obviously, I know Ethan Ross there. Um, I sort of, you hear rumours that they fell out, the manager and the, and the chairman. And, and it, was, it was a surprise to me, obviously, because they were doing quite well. But they obviously have aspirations for that club to be to going back to back. And they've either fallen out. I'm not really sure what's going on. But the atmosphere, because obviously they were on top probably for large periods of the game. Um, and in the second half, we sort of, Come, we got a, a free kick and we scored from the from the free kick, which quieted it. But there wasn't really like a a poor atmosphere because they were leading for for large periods of the game. But at the end, when we obviously won it in in the last two minutes, it, there there was obviously quite a, a poisonous atmosphere there. But um, but yeah, no, it's a it, it looks like a club that is going places with the foundations of the stadium and the players that they've recruited. But obviously, they just need to to sort out that that situation um, with their manager and the and the chairman. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at that um, before that that game even took place yesterday, and I did think it was set up nicely for you yesterday, Lewis. With with the way things were at York, I thought this is an ideal opportunity for for Wheelston, and given you know that you you have been away from home and and collected maximum points of view times this season. Um, also, just thought it looked. I sense there's a bit of a fragility about York as well in, in that what happened in midweek seemed to send a lot of their fans into sort of like the depths of despair again. And I know having been in National League North for like five years and thinking they were never going to get out, John Askey got them promoted and that, and they, they were they were almost like clinging to him. Um, and I think him going as... as um, it's taken away an awful lot of that optimism that they had, but it's still set up nicely there, you know, with the the the, the stadium and everything. But um, yeah, they, they, they've um, clearly some unhappy times there. Yeah, well, I think any manager, there'll be a lot of managers going for that job. Like you wouldn't, who wouldn't want to work at a place like that with the players that they've got? They've got good players. Um, if you look around the national league, there. The, the National League's the hardest league for me at, right now. You've got Wrexham, Chesterfield, um, Knox County, the top, top, t- even Sully or Moore, like top teams. Um, and it's going to be tough. Only two teams going up. And not and chairmen have got to understand that. Like It's not easy, this league. Look how many teams come down from League 2 and stay in this league. They don't really go back-to-back other than Grimsby last year. It is tough. But so, yeah, so it, it is interesting to see that they've, they got rid of him when they were like mid-table, just outside the, the playoffs. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of people applying for that job. Quick final question, Kins, before we let you go. At that top end, you mentioned those clubs. You've got a gut feeling on who might prevail. Um, it looks as if the title winners will probably come from from those big three, doesn't it? But, um, you know, Notts County making a real good fight of this, uh, as are Chesterfield with Wrexham. Yeah, I think uh, for me, Notts County, I thought they come to our place and they were unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I think the manager, Luke, is it Luke Williams? Yeah. He, he, outstanding, proper, proper manager. I, I wasn't in the squad against Notts County um, and I stood behind the, the, the bench and the information he gets onto the pitch for his players is outstanding. Um, and yeah, I just, for me, Notts County were excellent. But you know, football changes so quickly, you don't know. And it's easy to be going on a run around this time it's when it gets to to the nail biting end of the season and pressures on the players that's when you see who, who prevails but um yeah no Notts County I think will be up there obviously Wrexham will be up there um but yeah it'll be interesting to see them final few places who gets into the playoffs because as you can see as you know in this na- national league Tranmere were in what the near the bottom until till January and they ended up getting into the playoffs so you don't know you don't know Brilliant Real. stuff. Lewis, uh, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And best of luck for the rest of the season and, and to Wheelstone. Dickie, we talked about the turmoil there with Lewis Kinsella. If you're not aware, the York Park Company with John Asker this week, and there's been a lot of to and fro in it. The chairman said um, uh, that John Askey had wanted to leave several times, and in the end, they made that decision to get rid of him. John Askey, different version of events from him. He basically said that 
he stood by a printer and had a, a letter printed out saying that he was sacked. And uh, the fans, it's fair to say, have um, gone with John Askey's side of the story, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, and, and, you know, John Askey did superbly to get York City promoted last season. I think he took over when they were something like 11th in the table and just still in touch with the playoffs, but but some way outside, but got them onto a tremendous run, um, got them promoted and then undertook, you know, a pretty serious overhaul of the of the playing squad in the summer. I think one thing that they were perhaps lacking, um, which I think he probably recognised himself, and this is sounds like it's what might have come to the, uh, have brought the situation about is they were still a little bit lacking goal scoring. Um, and reading what I'm reading, I get the impression that John Askey had perhaps approached the chairman about this. Um, maybe he'd been rebuffed a bit in his efforts to try and bring in another player. Um, don't think they necessarily had the easiest of relationships anyway. Communication between the two doesn't sound like it was brilliant. I, I, I think for that reason, that's why you're hearing two different versions of events. Obviously, two people will see things differently, but I think they were almost too far apart for you to be able to you know, get get close enough to be on the same page. And ultimately, you know, Glenn Henderson is the owner. He is, you know, he, he pays the piper, so he calls the tune and, and he decided he couldn't work with John Askey any longer. I think the circumstances in which that's come about um, uh, don't sound particularly great for York City. Um, but yeah, they've they've got to move on from this one. They've got Tim Ryan in caretaker charge. Um, as Lewis said when we spoke to him there, there will be people interested in the job. But I think that the the key part to this is they're, they're going to have to be able to work with and get along with the chairman, and that's clearly something that John Askey um, had difficulty with. Yeah, another thing that John Askey said was that Glenn Henderson, the chairman, had, had criticised the style of football, and he said, "Well, it got us promoted." and uh, he was sticking with it, but like I said, the only thing they were probably lacking uh, was a striker. And he, even Guy Mowbray has come out this week and said he wants his donation back. He's he's, he's that furious. So as it, just when you think um, everything's been calm at York, it suddenly kicked off again, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And you know that I, I I you know referred to that some of that turmoil in the in the minds of York fans, even if it's not actually manifested itself. Um, elsewhere, I don't think the players are especially happy with the decision, um, but ultimately they have to respect what mm. what the chairman's done. Um, it's yeah, just it was a, a big. A re- it was big on Instagram when they posted the statement on Instagram. A lot of players replied to it saying it was a disgusting decision, which you don't often see. A lot of players normally keep the council, but I think they felt they had to say something, didn't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Whether they, um, you know, whether they should have or not is a different question. But they did. Um, and I think they clearly sounded like they enjoyed playing for John Askey. You know, they'd had success under him. Um, and and yeah, they were going through a slightly sticky period. But I don't think this is about results or current form or anything like that at all. I think this is ultimate. This is simply about a breakdown in relations between the two. Um, I, I think that is, if that criticism was made about John Askey's style of football, I think that's pretty unfair. You know, I think York... Um, given that they've been in the National League North for five seasons, sometimes you just have to, you know, it, it's a hard lead. To, any league's hard to get out of. Winning promotion in any league is tough. And, you know, you, you might not have, you might not go about that in the way that you would ultimately um, want to, but sometimes you have to cut your cloth accordingly. You know, they've got out, they've got promoted, and now they can look at building something better and maybe playing a slightly different style. Um, so I think that criticism is a bit harsh. Um, but as I say, ultimately, it's Glenn Henderson who uh, pays the piper and he calls the tune. Yeah, I think uh, the without you, you know you, you never know what goes on behind the scenes ultimately. But I think one of the things that now stands out is there's a very good manager and in, in John Askey now hanging around looking for a job. And I suppose if you're a club in the National League or maybe even the National League North and looking to kind of make that change, well, it's probably a manager that people didn't think would be available this season. That now you know you're not sort of maybe scrabbling around taking a risk on someone. You've got a very proven manager at this level who can come in, get results and, and maybe steady a shift. So, yeah, I, you know, I suppose that's probably one of the things maybe that has been not maybe been focused on just yet. But, you know, there's a there's a really good manager out there for anyone that maybe wants to make that that change now. And and this clearly, this will have hurt John Askey. Absolutely it will. You know, he's a human being. For this to happen in, in the way it's happened clearly does 
um, um, rankle with him more than rankle with him you know it, it will hurt um and if he can use that desire to um you know prove glenn henderson wrong by going into a job somewhere else um and showing exactly what it can do i don't think john askey needs to do that necessarily or, or has to do that i think his record at this level you know given what he achieved with macclesfield given what he's done with york is almost second to none to be perfectly honest so i don't feel he has got something to prove but um yeah that these things can be a big motivating factor for people woken rob it looked like uh their unbeaten run was going to come to an end they stay in fourth it was at Patrick hammond in the fourth minute of stoppage time he rescued them a point in the end he did yeah and i guess that's if you if you can't win a game you know make sure you don't lose it and that's what woken did in the end, a really sweetly struck uh, free kick from Padraig Amund. And uh, to be fair, prior to that, the um, ulti keeper, Oliver Byrne, had, had denied Woking, who had a, a, a real good go at getting back into that one after Elliot Newby's goal in the 48th minute. Um, from Woking points of view, no, no harm done there. They're doing exceptionally well at the minute. They hold in, in fourth place with that draw. Um, and, and watching the highlights of that one, Stands out for me week in, week out. Stands out like a sore thumb at Altrincham. But that man, Ryan Coldclough, again, he's the guy who, who sent in that beautiful cross for, for Newby to, to, to stroke home to give Ulti that lead at the, the start of the second half. So they're doing OK, aren't they now, Altrincham? Um, and a point not too bad. Not what they wanted, but not too bad for for Woking. The other game I um, caught the highlights of... <laughs> And Mark White's talking involved in yet another crazy game. Thriller. Yeah. yeah, this time, this time they somehow found a way to lose that game three two. They never should have done. After Corey Whiteley was shown two yellows, um, that that let's talk about that alone. Yet yeah, first one a booking yellow card, no issues with that. But he's trying to clear the ball just outside his own area, and he's really striking through the ball. Slightly mistimes it catches the Dorkin player and I think he was really unlucky to get a second yellow for that but um, from that point on really Dorkin especially with their control of the ball and their position they should have gone on to see that through but uh, a couple of mistakes didn't help them um, and uh, in the end uh, Bromley won that by three go- goals to two uh, Dorkin pushing and pushing and pushing at the end and Seager got one back um, but a, a bit of a, a bad mistake from the uh, from the new uh, Torquay, sorry, a bit of a bad mistake from the new Dorking goalkeeper on his debut, letting the ball through his hands, a really soft one and not what you want for your debut. And that's part of the challenge now for Mark White because he's assessed at this level. Yeah, they've got themselves 20-odd points quite quickly this season, but they're in a sticky patch now. They've had players out. He doesn't really like the loan market, but He's now had to bring in, I think, four players in the last two weeks and he's been kind of forced to throw them straight in as well before they know, as he calls it, the Dorkin way. Um, so they'll get it right. It's a difficult period for Dorkin. They'll get it right, but um, they go down in that one again and Bromley creeping their way uh, back into those playoff positions or close to them. And um, Michael Cheek with just his fourth goal of the season yesterday, Um Missed a good chance before that. He's, he's not quite hitting the levels he normally does. And 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 show me the centre back. Uh, wait, another centre back with five or more goals this season. Uh, he joins that club, and uh, he's got more goals than Michael Cheek this season. Quickly, James, what do you think of Dark? And do you think they'll be okay this year? You'd like to hope so, especially when you look at it from a from a South perspective. Obviously. Uh, went up last year and I think there was a lot of they've kept basically it's basically the exact same squad you look at those names it is basically exactly the same um, you know and I think if they continue to score goals is always a good sign obviously they've shipped what is it 45 um, which is obviously concerning and Joe Walsh was uh, recalled from Hampton this week and then sent straight to Meadowbank uh, to go in, to go and go and he is a top top keeper obviously mistake yesterday but there's someone with a you know a really good future in this game that's well well above the national league. It was far far too good to be playing in the national league south, and probably I think there were a few eyebrows that he didn't go higher with his loan. But yeah, you'd like to think if they continue scoring goals, then you know certainly down the bottom that's often what clubs struggle with, and 
that'll help them dig out uh, plenty of points. Quickly, James, as well, Barnet, as we mentioned, back into the top seven. We, we mentioned it last week, they had a strong start to the season, then they had a w- little wobble and they seemed to have steadied the ship again. Yeah, I suppose now the question is really about who those sides that can sustain themselves in those playoff places. We spoke about Wheelstone just being kind of four points off it and now it's kind of the time to... And same with Woking, kind of nicking it, nicking a point, which I think will be a very important point, kind of mentally in terms of just keeping that run going. And same for Barnet and, and the likes of South End as well is just kind of picking up those points and and trying to stay in touch as possible, as much as possible with the top three. You're probably not going to catch them, but as much as you can, kind of stay in and around those areas. You know, we always know that when you get to the end of the season, there's always about sort of clubs down to twelfth, fourteenth, whatever that can have a have a go at a last minute sort of t- tilt at the playoffs. But, you know, I think for, for Barnet probably didn't expect to to find themselves where they are. But, you know, if they can keep this going for another 10, 10 or so games, even they'll, you know, guarantee that they'll be in and around in the mix come the end of the season. I think, you know, f- for any club, that's just where you want to be, isn't it? Within sort of touching distance. And if results go your way, you put a string together come sort of March, April, then yeah, I think they'll be very pleased with, with how they're doing. Yeah, the two ex-football league sides who came down last season, they're still in the bottom four. Maidstone, uh, Oldham drew nil-nil at Maidstone. So, uh, decent four points for Maidstone over the past week and a clean sheet, I suppose, for Oldham if you're clicking on a small mercies for them. And uh, Scunthorpe, they lost 2-1 away late on at Dagenham and at Redbridge. Uh, it was a goal there from Jay Bird. A few minutes from time, which secured a win for Daryl McMahon's men and also Maidenhead. They won 2 1 at home to easily solid season for Maidenhead there. And uh, another defeat for Eastley. So a bit of a mid table battle there. Um, we're going to move on now and look at the FA Trophy. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. A quick reply affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. In the FA Trophy, there was 40 ties in total. The National League North and... South teams entered at this stage, and there was four North East South clashes, and and it was two two in the end between uh, wins for National League South and National League North. I think the standout one was Braintree beating Brackley, wasn't it, Dickie? Willie Clemens, the Bermudan international, he got the only goal of the game. They survived the loss of Joe Muska, Joe Muska, to red card a quarter of an hour from time to hold on. Both sides going well. I mean, obviously James will give us his point of view on Braintree in a minute but Brackley have been flying since Roger Johnson came in but they, they finally suffered a defeat under him yeah they have it's the first little bump in the road I, I won't sit well with them but I don't suppose um, that they will be entirely upset that it's come in a competition where um, yeah Brackley have had terrific success in the past but it, you know it takes a degree of luck also to progress through, you know, in a knockout competition. Um, so being realistic, that the, the league is more uh, Brackley's focus. So, um, yeah, it, it will be a little bit of a disappointment to them, but, you know, they're top of or, or close to the top of the table. And we we had a similar upset um, involving Kingsland Town as well. You know, two teams both going very well at the top of North, um, beaten by teams from the South who want quite so high in the table, but yeah, uh, 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 Hemel Hempstead went to Kingsland yesterday, um, a, a 94th minute own goal from Cameron King cancelled out a goal from Ken Charles. I know a player who caught your eye, uh, yeah. Luke. Sounds like the elderly Navy should be checking on it this time of year, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he does somewhat. Yeah. It went to penalty kicks. It was three, three after five kicks each golden Mateo and Aaron Jones failed with theirs for Kingsland, uh, Leland and Holt, both missed theirs for Hamel Hempstead in the seventh round of the penalty kick competition. Ollie Scott missed his for Kings Lynn and Harris O'Connor didn't. And that took Hamel Hempstead through um, into the, the draw for the third round on Tuesday. James, are those massive shocks for you in terms of brain tripping going okay? Obviously, Hamel at a mid table. Do you look at those and go, do you know what? They're, they're quite big results for the South sides. 
Yeah, I think Braintree, no. I think Braintree have been probably one of the standout teams in, in the National East South in terms of maybe those sides that you didn't expect to be doing what they're doing. Angelo Harrop's done a, a great job there. And I think Cressing Road is never a nice place to, to travel to and, and play. It's one of those grounds that will really kind of suit Braintree. They're, they're used to it and, you know, they often pick up some, some good results there. And, you know, they've definitely been one of those sides that, yeah, I don't think anyone kind of, especially with a new manager, expected them to to do what they'll be doing. So, you know, that's a great result for them. But, you know, I think Hemel's a bit more of a surprise, not been in great shape so far this season, although have kind of turned it around in, in recent weeks. So, um, I mean, they'll be pleased with that one. And then I suppose Chesn, uh, you know, a respectable result for them as well at, at Peterborough Sports, considering, you know, Chesn are the real sort of basement side in the South. And I think most people are kind of already sort of writing them off for relegation. They'll be kind of pleased to have been uh, pretty competitive with that one. And, and St Albans as well is a disappointing, disappointing defeat for them. You know, one of those sides where I mean they came to came to Hampton and, and beat us six nil, um, but then have sort of been quite inconsistent, find themselves in mid table. So yeah, I think Braintree the real standout for uh, for the south of, of those four. I think we'd say about Chesson, though, they were teeing up at Peterborough Sports. It was Reese Beckles with a double, but then Danny Lawler and Josh McCannum got on long level turns before half time. Never green Michael Gash bagged the winner. And then, like you say, St. Albans, they took the lead through Mitchell Vice there. Um, but second half goals from Zach Brown and Amari Morgan Smith are a big win for Russ Penn's side. Um, so it's um, Chesson will be slightly disappointed. Peterborough Sports will be relieved, as will Kidderminster, um, I suppose, Dickie. Yeah, I think they will. I think there was, um, um, you know, for Kidderminster Harriers, they've been inconsistent this season as well. And and you, uh, that will, I'm not say, saying a state of execution, but that, that will that will help Russ Penn's case in that they've made progress in this competition. Um, obviously, they've allowed him to strengthen a bit this week as well. He's brought Joe Leesley in from Boston. Um, he was on loan at Darlington. I think that loan period might have been cut short for him to make a permanent move to Agra. So, you know, Russ Penn is still being backed by the board there, which is is good to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, coming back to the Kings Lynn one there, I suppose what we might have to bear in mind is, you know, you do wonder whether Kings Lynn maybe had their big FA Cup game, um, which is on TV next week, slightly in the back of their minds. Um, you know, they've still got an awful lot to look forward to this season. I think, you know, clearly the FA Trophy is a more realistic um, opportunity to get to Wembley for Kings Lynn than the FA Cup is. But um Ultimately, you know, with the TV tie next week, etc., is probably more of a money spinner. So, I guess if they had to choose between the two, then um, yeah, maybe the FA Cup would be the one that they would choose. James, I know you were bemoaning before we started recording this the lack of uh, south sides that that didn't get through in the end. So, there's some shocks. Concord they lost at home to Harrow, uh, Oxford City they were dumped out by Plymouth Parkway on penalties after a one-one draw. Dartford. Again, go out to a lower division side um, in a cup as George Darwin's hatchet for Swindon Supermarine saw and beat Alan Dowson's side by four goals to nil. Bracknell had a great run in the FA Cup, reaching the first round playing Ipswich. And they were at it again in the FA Trophies. They won away at Tunbridge, who've been going okay in the National League South. So uh, what, what's what been going on with the South sides, James? Yeah, I think that's 11 sides that uh, that have gone out. So almost half the division. And to be fair, I think, you know, there was one of those, a few of those quirks where there was quite a few all National League South side uh, ties, which obviously someone has to go out and uh, the likes of Welling, Hampton, uh, Ebbsfleet, all losing to to teams in the same division. Um, Ebbsfleet, I suppose, is, is a notable one. That's another defeat for them, having gone unbeaten for so long. It's quite an impressive result for, for Eastbourne away at, away at at Ebbsfleet, uh, not an easy place to go and definitely the best team in the division I've seen uh, this season. Just look at sort of look at another level, but defeat to Tunbridge and then defeat to, to Eastbourne, maybe a bit of a, a bit of a wobble for for Dennis Kutrub and, and Ebbsfleet. But yeah, it's, it's disappointing, I think, for, you know, you always like to see teams in the same division go on a bit of a run or especially, you know, the number of there's kind of quite a few sides. There's about five, five of those sides went out to, so lower lower teams in the lower division, Dover went out to, to penalties to Uxbridge. They've mm. dark four nil to Swindon Supermarine and, and Tunbridge four two is it to, to Bracknell. These you know, there are some Bracknell are, are a good side, but you know, there are certain certain teams there where you, you really think, you know, even if teams make changes for the trophy, they might, maybe it's not their priority. You really think they should be kind of going through and or at least putting up a bit of a bit of a show. But 
yeah, disappointing showing from from Southside, unfortunately. And yeah, a bit of a, a free weekend or maybe some rearrangements going on to uh, to fill that last uh, last Saturday before Christmas. Yeah, Dicky, a couple of north side suffered shocks as well. The most notable, I think, was Hereford losing away at, Hay- at Haybridge. Uh, Scarborough, they lost at Marine six minutes from time. Mo- Motore with the winner. But the Hereford one was the one that really stood out. Yeah, I think so. Probably just because of the margin, losing 3-0 at Haybridge Swifts. Um, goals from Ross Wall, Reese Henry and Robert Harvey made it what sounded like quite a comfortable afternoon for, um, for Haybridge. And yeah, um, uh, Josh Gowling won National League North Manager of the uh, Month um, and then suffered a 1-0 home defeat to Peterborough Sports on Tuesday night. And then the curse has continued with that 3-0 loss yesterday. So I don't know whether he might be trying to hand his trophy back. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Tamworth uh, beat Boston on penalties ultimately after a 1-1 draw. Alex Bradley equalised for the Lambs after Janai Gordon had put Boston ahead. Is that uh, a massive Atkin- shot though? Because Tam- Tamworth are going quite well, aren't they? Well, the top, Tamworth aren't are they? going quite well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know they they're looking quite a strong bet to make a return to. National League North um, this season. Uh, Will Atkinson and Jake Wright both had penalty kicks saved in the shootout by uh, Tamworth keeper Jazz Singh, who I must give a mention to. And uh, yes, Sam Long then missed a third Boston spot kick to uh, uh, condemn them to an early exit. No progress for the Pilgrims. I had to do that, didn't I, really? Uh, Another shock as well, Telford won. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well yes i mean if you want to look at current form then perhaps it was i mean it was a um a, a difficult tie away to kings langley they are close to the bottom of southern league prem central so i i guess in in you know that respect you know they didn't have a lot to lose against aside from a higher division and it and it did look like a bit of a banana skin from the outside um but yeah telford went a goal behind but goals from kobe chong and then a 96th minute winner from captain matt brown uh took telford through and, and avoided the, the the lottery penalty kicks anything else that stood out for you in the trophy i suppose just to mention to bath um the return yeah. they've returned to they've returned to playing uh, with a with a win over Billericay, but I suppose you know a, a, win, a game you expect them to win. Obviously, Billericay, uh getting relegated from the south last year down down the Isthmian. But I suppose you know for most of them it was just a case of getting back on the pitch and and everyone at the club after what's been a really tough few weeks. Obviously, I've spoken to some of the guys there, and you know it's just been a lot to take on. Obviously, thoughts first and foremost with with Alex Fletcher and his family, but also the rest of the guys at Bath. It's been a been a tough old week. A lot to a lot to process and I think, you know, to, to get back on the pitch is firstly, you know, a hard decision to make and, you know, but Jerry Gill said, you know, they've got to, got to keep going for the football club and, you know, just that you've got to keep playing games and also just, you know, for, for those players to get back on the pitch, which, uh, yeah, can't have been easy, but uh, through to the next round. They could be a dangerous beast now, Bath, because something like that does bring a squad together and really they've got an, a motivation, haven't they now? Yeah, and they've been good so far this season as well, you know, aside from, from everything else, you know, Cody Cook um, has been been banging them in, and you know we we had them down in Southwest London uh, earlier in in August, and and they looked at looked at a decent side. Chris Lines uh, sort of dictating things in the middle for them. Someone who's obviously played at a, a much higher level, and you can kind of you can see that. And yes, they seem to kind of put a bit of a squad together after quite a disappointing season last year. So yeah, certainly one where people won't be enjoying their trips to Twerson, I don't think, and. Uh, Certainly, they'll be hoping to be hanging in and around the playoffs. I think otherwise they'd be quite disappointed considering where they are. James, what does the gloss over Hampton, Richmond, Neil Farnborough one? He said not a lot happened really anyway. <laughs> uh, Dickie, anything else? Yeah, there was a few. I mean, there were some all North ties as well. I won't linger over too many of them. But I think one of the biggest stories likely to come out of this um, is Kettering Town's 1-0 win over Gloucester City. It doesn't sound like the most remarkable of results, although Kettering are towards the bottom of the North and Gloucester have been pushing towards the top end since Stephen King took over. But the big story here... Tyrone Luthwaite scored the winner in this tie for Kettering in the 71st minute. But then after the game, um, the report started to circulate that Tyrone Luthwaite had actually played for Bedford Town, his previous club, in the third qualifying round. So um, although, you know, we're not aware that anything formal has happened yet, um, there is precedence for this. And you would uh, it, it would look very much as if Kettering may well be expelled from the competition for fielding in a an ineligible player. He didn't exactly go under the radar either by scoring the winning goal. Um, 
there was also um, a, an outstanding, probably the outstanding individual performance of the day in Blythe Spartans 4-2 win over Buxton. Buxton, they're away at Ipswich in the FA Cup next weekend, so they've perhaps got other things on their mind. Um, but Cedric Main was the main man for Blythe Spartans. All four goals in a 4-2 win. Um, he took the match ball home and he's got a one-third claim on another one as well. Um, so, yeah, a terrific performance from him and Blythe into the next round. It's just funny you mention about Leithwaite because I don't think uh, you say he was he played for Bedford in the last round. I think he scored for Bedford in the last <laughs> round as well. So um, I know obviously fingers will be pointed at the secretary, but surely the player's got to say, "Oh yeah, I've already played in this competition." It, it, I mean, it does raise those questions. I mean, uh, you know, I think. Um, Players just want to play, don't they? So, you know, whether they necessarily pay um, that much attention to which competition they're taking part in. You know, we've heard players, even at a higher level, say, oh, it was good to get the three points today before somebody points out to them it was a knockout game. So I think players just want to play. But, you know, there, there probably is responsibility on, on both parts. I'm sure, absolutely sure the secretary or whoever's responsible at Kettering will be feeling sick to their stomach now because it's the thing that all administrators dread. You know, I've, I've, I know Telford have lost points um, in, you know, similar situations for fielding an ineligible player in, in, in a league game and lost points from a win where it was our first win in heaven knows, you know, months and we had it taken away from us once the season had actually been completed and we dropped down another couple of places um, because of that. And and, it, and it, it's a nightmare. You know, I know our own secretary at Telford, I've heard him say frequently about the number of times he checks and he checks and he checks again. But, you know, people are human and these things happen. It might make Kettering's um, secretary feel any better at this moment in time. And of course, we've got to wait and see what happens formally. But... Um, yeah, maybe the player should have known, but it, it is what it is now. Brill, well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. My thanks to James. Uh, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Luke. Despite the uh, despite the defeat and yeah, the FA Trophy, it's nice to to go over everyone else's uh, great success. Brill, thanks for joining us, Rob. Pleasure as always. Have a good week, guys. And uh, Dickie, a Sunday you can actually enjoy. Well, yeah, it's going to be another busy one. Um, yeah, I've got um, Telford have a game on Tuesday night, so we've got a, a match programme to produce for that. So there's um, doing bits and pieces with what came out of our game yesterday. But uh, yeah, and um, you know that will probably take my interest more than the the game between Ecuador and Qatar in the World Cup. I'll be perfectly frank. As we mentioned, the World Cup's on, so there's a, a break on for the Premier League and Championship. So. If you are a fan of a Premier League or a Championship club, get yourself down to a National League club and support them during this uh, during this World Cup. There's certainly, uh, I know teams are doing offers. I saw Tartner doing uh, £33 for three games, I think, something like that. So there's teams doing special offers uh, like that. So get down, watch your National League team and uh, you'll pleasantly be pleasantly surprised, I feel. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter for as long as it's around. <laughs> uh, it's at NL Full Time. Uh, we're NL Full Time on Instagram. And, and make sure you give us a, a subscribe as well on all podcasting channels. Give us a like and leave us a review. Uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. <laughs>